That's all right. We'll re we'll rehash it. <laughs> hey, everybody! It is Richard Harris and Scott Lee for another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. Uh, super excited to have the one and only, as Scott was just saying, the only person grumpier than him, Pete Kazanji of Atrium <laughs> HQ. So, Pete, <laughs> welcome to the show. There should be context applied to that. I was specifically That's talking about That's one particular thing. <laughs> so give us some context, Scott. Why is Pete the grumpiest guy you know? Oh, that's not that's not fair. I just enjoy following Pete on Twitter because uh, <laughs> you know he, he speaks his mind periodically. Low low low, low filter, low, yeah. low uh, lower filter after like you know two or three glasses of wine. Exactly, filter kind of like <laughs> exactly. filter goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I appreciate. I appreciate these moments and everything. There's some comedic relief in the form of shock and horror at things that are happening. That's yes, right well, up my alley. If you, you know, if you, if you don't want to cry, you got to laugh, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You got two options. So, so Pete, for those who don't know you, which would be surprising, tell folks, you know, you're over at Atrium. Tell folks what Atrium is. Obviously, you had a successful exit so far. So just so they have context of where your where your mind comes from as we have this conversation today yeah exactly what like what's the root cause of all that damage um so uh peak is angie i um i run modern sales the nation's largest um sales operations sales leadership community a lot of your listeners are probably members of of that um people can check that out at modernsaleshq.com i also um run a software company called atrium that makes sales performance analysis software. So automated sales performance analysis software. It's kind of like the sales operations analyst um, in a box. And um, yeah, I guess my background is, as Richard alluded to, I actually, um, I've only been in the sales game <laughs> for about 10 years now. My background previous to that was in product marketing and product management. And um, I had to kind of like figure out sales, if you will, um, after um, my last comp after starting my last company, Talentspin, uh, which is a recruiting software company that um, where I went from being a business founder to being a sales rep to being a sales manager to being a sales leader um, as is kind of important when you're, you know, an early stage company, you got to sell stuff or else, you know, the company goes away. Right. Um, so that was kind of my entree to sales um, from 2011 to 2014. Uh, Talent Bin was acquired by Monster Worldwide in in 2014 after which i wrote a book on sales for founders called called founding sales um, which is really just like the book i wish i had had <laughs> would have kept me from making so many terrible mistakes um but so instead i just kind of documented that and that book is available online at foundingsales.com all like the entire text is available online it's kind of like open source so that's me doesn't really kind of give you insight into why i'm so grumpy but um, at least kind of gives you some of uh, understanding of like where, where my background comes from and, and you know, what I do. Well, we, we don't need to talk about why you're so grumpy, but you know, it, yeah. it, it was, it it comes was out, it, it comes out. It captured people's attention. So I have a question though. You know, I know you uh -huh. said you didn't start your sales career because you started in product marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Owning the product. But like if there's ever a marketing role that's as closely aligned to sales as any, it's that. Right? Yeah. figuring that out. So I am curious, like, if you look back at your world at that time and sort of what you learned from product marketing that's applicable to sales, um, just to give people some, again, additional context, because we do like to, 
you know, sales and marketing are merging together now. There's the mm-hmm. CRO role. Like, right. What are the things that you were like, oh, wait a minute, I did that in product marketing. That's just like selling or vice versa. Well, I, I think there it's very much like a chocolate and peanut butter sort of thing where like, you know, they're way better together. Um, and product marketers would be way better off if they did, if they spent some more time selling. <laughs> and then moreover, um, I think sales can appreciate um, the, you know, as you scale up and, and sales leadership, especially as you scale up a sales organization, <clears throat> um, having kind of being an appreciation for consistency of messaging and tooling and collateral things that are um, scalable that then, um, you know, for people who are addicted to the process, that's for, for Scott, um, you know, having, having good tooling such that everybody's not like freestyling all the time is really important, right? Because like you can have a process, but then if you have tools that are tied to that process, whether those are slides or talk tracks or, you know, um, or demo videos or what have you, that's really important. So I think that um, my background in product marketing helped me, um, you know, enable my my reps more quickly because i have a i have a penchant for creating tooling my the, the joke amongst my reps is that like i just emit slides right like so you know objection comes up a couple of times it's just like all right cool let's make a slide <laughs> right so our like master deck is probably like 120 slides long now we don't take a, a prospect through it but if somebody has a question so the rep can no, just you have it jump. Case, you have it in case you need it type of thing yeah it's just it's, yeah it's in your back pocket like oh funny that you should you know funny you should say that Think, right and then you know the rep has like a nice um guardrails and swim lanes for for their talk track right there and they don't have to like you know remember it out off the top of their head but i, I think that but one of the things that product marketers and marketers don't don't have as much appreciation for is where the rubber hits the road when you're actually talking to prospects like you can you can create some slides or a talk track in a in an ivory tower and if you don't road test it right and you don't you know, you don't customer test it, you know, and then it's not really all that super helpful. And so I think, um, you know, having a, a more like product management and iterative mindset with respect to that is very helpful because um, versus, you know, pushing slides or talk tracks or, or, or what have you out into the, into the sales organization saying like, ta-da, here it is, it's perfect. It's like highly unlikely that's going to be the case, right? So even being a seller yourself and like, you know, trialing the talk track try like like doing the demo does this actually work or you know when i actually talk it at somebody does it is it bullshit um i think those are you know product marketers and marketers could do well to like you know get in front of the customer and see if the messaging actually lands and and if it can be made more concise or more relatable or what have you it's funny you brought up the fact that your team teases you about emitting slides because (laughs) you built this like 70 slide deck the other day about two of them Two of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, aware, I'm aware of the one that's like about implementing work from home kind of strategies and, and yeah. that. And it's like, you know, boom, there's a huge resource that's out there for everybody. Um, <laughs> so this is just like passion projects for you and, and uh, things that you just enjoy doing. Or does this source from your team? Like, did you build that yeah. because your team had a pain point that you wanted to solve? Or is this just something that was on top of your mind that you wanted to kind of do because you're, you know, excited about it and want to give back to the community. Well, I, I think it's one of those things. So Atrium makes sales performance analysis software, right? So instrumenting the quantity and quality of, of selling behavior that are that SDRs, AEs, AMs, CSMs engage in. So like we know a thing or two about instrumentation. It turns out when like all of a sudden your sales floor disbands and like 
goes to the four winds, four corners of the earth, um, you know, instrumentation is really important. Um, so we have a bunch of expertise there already, and um, and there's a bunch of folks who are kind of really being forced to, you know, to to admit that their previous levels of like you know understanding and, and instrumentation of their sales organizations um, maybe was a little bit more organic. <laughs> organic is like my uh, that's my you know my my uh, weasel word for like not very well instrumented. <laughs> like oh yeah, is it loud in here? <laughs> are there people sitting in their seats? Um, and so, yeah, so the idea here is like, one, I have a lot of expertise there. We have a lot of expertise there. And then two, we had a bunch of existing resources. So probably there's only like about 40 net new slides of, of uh, net new content. There are a bunch of the other stuff was just kind of like pulled together from existing resources. And then one of the things we had seen from our customers was we just had people who were like, hi, our, <laughs> our 30, um, you know, SDRs, average age of like 24 are now gone. <laughs> we really need to like double down on, on instrumentation. So our customer success team really buckled down and was doing a bunch of great work there. So I was like, you know what, we should just like externalize this to everybody else. Uh, the second deck that I created, that, so that was like four weekends ago. And then the more recent one is focused on um, sales management and economic downturn, right? So like rebasing metrics, moving from a, you know, growth at all cost mindset to a, um, to a uh, efficiency mindset. Right, like every lead is precious. Pipeline, man like you know, rigor around pipeline management. Um, you know, people. The phrase I like to say is like going from a marathon pace to like being chased by a bear pace. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I mean, these are like all new things for um, for folks, right? <laughs> like, so I mean, survival instinct has kicked in, right? So, so what yeah. are some of those suggestions, Pete? Like, let's let's pause because I know people are listening and they're because this is going to come out pretty quick. What are some of the things that you're suggesting from this growth mindset to this, you know, let's just keep the doors open mindset, right? What, what are some limits? Let me, let me, let me find the deck. <laughs> um, well, I think for people who have sold in early stage startups, it's probably, it's probably not that all that dissimilar from, from when you're selling in an early stage startup, like you're, you're, only so far you're only so far away from from organizational death so usually it's a pretty high pace situation um but for like lar larger organizations that maybe have had a lot of you know marketing reliance right like you know historically we had less marketing spend now inbound is drying up right previously maybe like prospect budgets were kind of loose all right now things are getting tighter so like win rates are going to compress when rates are going to compress that either means that we have to like you know, up the number of opportunities that we can work at any given point in time, up our ASP, um, you know, just have higher, higher level of efforts, um, you know, things like that. So, you know, if, if win rates are going to, and this one of the sections um, in the, in the deck, so the, the deck has a couple of sections to so like finding new baselines for your sales motion. Cause like your, your historical sales motion that was based on like the existing market dynamics. Okay. The math, right. the math is going to be totally different now. Yeah, it's yep. going to change, right? Like, you know, like maybe some levels will go down, some levels will go up. So like, oh, win rates compress. Ah, crapola, right? So that means that, you know, either we got to expand ASPs or we got to like, you know, have way more meetings or, um, or maybe we have to hibernate or maybe we have to like change the segment of customer. Like previously, you know, we had a high win rate at this low ASP. And so, you know, we could make it work with a sales rep in Austin or a sales rep in San Francisco. Well, maybe now, like, win rates compress, 
So maybe we, you know, we have to raise those ASPs by maybe going up market, like looking at a different segment well, or, or what have you. The one thing you haven't said, at least I didn't understand it, maybe I didn't understand it, is you haven't said anything about just adjusting the goals as a whole, right? That the number's oh, yeah. gonna come down, right? So are you saying- Yeah, like you find, you, you, I mean, the number, the, the output number comes from the, the precursor math, like right. Scott was saying. So, so the precursor math changes, right? Like if win rates go down, then, then maybe, maybe we can react and we can say, hey, we can manage more ops concurrently, but maybe you can't. Right. Like maybe it just turns out that it takes like four meetings to close a customer and like that's not actually going to change. So if win rates are down, that just maybe means that like, you know, the physics, our revenue formula indicates that maybe the new like justifiable goal is like four hundred thousand dollars in bookings than the six hundred thousand dollars in bookings. Right. right. Or maybe maybe before it was like seven hundred thousand dollars in bookings. And with the new math, it, that drops down to four hundred K. But we by going back and seeing what the level of effort you know what 80th percentile level of effort in your organization look like or 80 percentile level of excellence in the organization look like if we can raise people up okay well maybe we can go from 400 to 500 but it's still not 700 anymore um, right. but the first step is to figure out like what the new reality right. is yeah yeah we were talking go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, we were talking a little bit offline um before the show about forcing functions. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I would imagine that this is the case, but I would imagine like your phones and, and your, your inbounds are going way up right now because of the nature of what you guys do and, and how much help so many people need. Um, are you seeing that? Were you, were you prepared for that in, 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 any, in any way when this thing first started to get serious? Like how, what kind of adjustments have you made? So many industries are shuddering or like yeah or slowing down but you know you're arguably positioned really well for this particular situation so it'd be interesting i think to give some perspective from somebody who's positioned well who's got forcing functions in the market that are you know to their benefit in some way not to be insensitive to you know what's going on but like you you know you, but i think there's something you can learn from that right yeah. like like the, the, the really, the cool thing about market economics is that what you have is you have like all these microeconomic like thinkers, right? Like rational actors that are, you know, they're just trying to like route through the market and make a transaction, right? And like sales is kind of the coolest part of that because like sales is like the tip of the spear. Like sales is actually where like, you know, capitalism happens, right? It's, it's like finding a problem, like finding the problem, identifying the problem, fitting a solution to that. So I think there's two things. One is, um, yeah, there's, there's a number of, like, in our case, turns out that a work from home environment really makes it very helpful to, to have better instrumentation, right? Um, so any, like, it, it, has, it helps a bunch of other folks too. So Zoom <laughs> that we're on right now, yeah. turns out <laughs> kind yeah. of important, right? Number one social um, network in the world now. Yeah, right? <laughs> Arguably. Like, yeah, like Slack. Right. Like, you know, Slack is going gangbusters. Zoom is going gangbusters. Um, there's a couple of like, I mean, even things that are like less like you might be less familiar with, like um, there's a company called Mural and Miro. They're, they're two different companies. They just kind of found and they make digital whiteboards for like collaborating. Right. Like Lucid, like Lucid charts, Lucid software. Like they're go, like all of a sudden now like cloud app. 
yeah. right? So, you know, screen anytime, any, if you have like communication at distance or then like instrumentation at distance, anything where like distance, um, that, that's really helpful. And like those people are, are getting a tailwind. Also like efficiency stuff, right? So like you can, like my, my, my hypothesis is that I, I really think that the sales, this will be a phenomenal forcing function for like sales engagement vendors, like the sales lofts and, and outreaches of the world where historically people have kind of maybe in like larger sales organizations, they've resisted adopting sales engagement automation. Now all of a sudden, if it's like, you know, to go back to our previous point, if, if win rates are declining, right? Um, or like inbounds declining or what have you, well, you know, if we can automate outreach, right? Or if we can automate cadences or, or what have you, and, and so you have these big organizations who have maybe historically, um, you know, avoided or, or forestalled like SDR AE abstraction. Well, you could totally imagine organizations being like, holy mackerel, I got to get my AEs or my AEAM kind of like full stack, you know, full cycle reps. I got to, I got to arm them. So I think like, I think that's like, that's something that we're going to see in, in our community. Um, you know, like the, the, the software sales or kind of like new technology sales community. But I think the other thing for like everybody else to think about, is like there's some parts of the there's some parts of the economy that are not impacted right now. Like I have a bunch of friends who work at like trip actions. They're they're really having a hard time because there's a lot of travel going on right now. But but so like obviously like trying to sell to somebody like that is is gonna be problematic right now. But you know I also have friends who work at DoorDash and Instacart, right? And Slack. And like those people are just like they're going like it turns out the economy has shifted to really support them. And, you know, money's flowing through those organizations. So selling to them, you know, makes sense. And, um, and there's a, there was actually a thread on modern sales about this, like um, some really thoughtful um, sales ops person was talking about how they had taken the, um, the economic impact uh, report and like merged it against their pipeline. So essentially what they had added was like a coronavirus discount um, for on an op by op basis. So they like tied it to the account level and then it cascaded down to the op. Um, but the point, and then, and then what they're also doing is then redirecting SDR to target prospects that are, you know, thriving in this environment, or at least like less, like negatively impacted. So I think, you know, it's, it's lucky to be in a situation like we are with, with Atrium, where we have this natural tailwind from work from home and automation and, and efficiency and what have you, but everybody else can also, so like, but that's just kind of like luck everybody else can be mindful and say like, you know what, let's find those places where people are, are, you know, have are accidental beneficiaries of this like really crappy macroeconomic situation right now. And like, let's target those folks. So like that's something that people can do and have agency on. Just like, so you have, you've got a team, how big is the atrium team now? Uh, coming to 20 people, 20 people. Right. And you know, I've known you since you were, you know, four or five people um, <laughs> met when you invited me on modern sales pros you know, you got 20 people. Scott and I had this conversation last night, literally of, do you think you'll keep your WeWork office that big? Or do you feel like, no, we're going to keep going from home. Like there's no reason for us to actually have an office. Um, maybe not as large, like we still want a conference room. We still want some desks. Yeah. Just and how much, and how much of that decision is currently married to how much time you have left on your lease? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have, um, it's a really good question. So, we uh, we have like a you know, your prototypical San Francisco south of market um, like converted warehouse and we have a pretty good deal on it. It's not like a, a bougie WeWork office um, with like you know fruit water 
it's 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 a little grimy. Um, but I don't know. It's a really interesting thing because one of the things that I one of the things that I love about sales um, organizations and especially inside sales organizations is the opportunity to send um, really high quality, um, high skilled jobs pretty much anywhere in in the United States. Um, like we have a bunch of customers that have like most of our customers have started in like San Francisco or New York or, or where have you, but then they have sales organizations in Denver or Lehigh or Phoenix or Austin or what have you. And um, I think that's something that's really powerful because, you know, democratizing the, the gains from um, innovation and kind of like, you know, uh, like wealth aggregation and, and what have you, I think is a really important thing just in general. And, and so that's why I love the fact that sales does that, right? And so like one version of that is nearshoring where we say, hey, let's like stand up, um, you know, a sales organization in Austin because it's a little bit like lower, lower cost of ownership, <laughs> maybe back in the day. I don't know about now. <laughs> Everyone's kind of like spiking it up. Um, yeah, but but up. yeah, for sure, right? Um, but then there's like the next tier, which is, you know, Indianapolis or like Columbus or, you know, fill in the blank, right? Um, but then there's like the further, like, okay, so they maybe like extend that to like the, you know, the, the nth degree and say, okay, well then if, if Zoom, right, if, you know, if, if, if we can use Zoom or, um, you know, Ring Central or Truly or whatever to like virtualize communication and we can use Atrium to virtualize instrumentation, well, why not have reps anywhere, right? We can have chorus and gong, you know, recording okay. things or, and and then that really kind of spreads. And so there's a gentleman, um, oh God, um, Kevin, I forget his last, uh, Plantain, Plantain, um, who used to run sales at Plan Grid and they got bought by Autodesk. And he is just like, he's a great Twitter follow. Um, and he, um, you know, he, he had a fully distributed uh, sales organization um, for, you know, selling to, it was largely a, an inside sale. Um, but he, um, but, but like had them everywhere so they could go outside because playing yeah. grid sold like to construction folks. So like mm-hmm. they could go out and like take people to beers at like 4 PM because it's like when construction gets off, right? <laughs> um, but like largely they were inside, but they were everywhere it, across the United States and it was pretty rad. Yeah. And we are in the context that Richard and I were talking about, we were just wondering <clears throat> what's going to happen to the commercial real estate market and how many, how many people in the labor market are going to not want to go back into an office and not want to commute, right? Like, I don't know where, where your team members live, but if you've got people in Marin or you got people in East Bay or the South Bay and they're all funneling into San Francisco and it takes anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours, you know, a day to get, to get in and out of the office, like, why would they want to go back to doing that? And why would you yeah, want to pay, you know, a hundred dollars a square foot times however many square feet, if you don't, if you don't need to, right? Yeah, it, it really is a, um, it's actually Kevin Halter. He's a phenomenal um, Twitter and, and like LinkedIn follow. He's super thoughtful about distributed sales organizations. Um, yeah, man, I agree. Like we've got this forcing function right now. It's like making it such that everybody has to rip the bandaid off. Like, oh, you know, I kind of like to instrument my rest. So I just like listening and seeing if it's like out or whatever. It's like, cool, you do. All right. Um, is that really worth like $25,000 of like, you know, rental, like per, right. um, you know, per month? Like, or, or maybe you should just take a math class, right? Or maybe you should like, you know, buy Atrium. It's only, you know, 
$2,000 a month or, or, or what have you. Yeah. I think that, like the forcing functions of this are really powerful. And, and um, you see this with like outside reps too, where, I mean, so well, like qual. Yeah. I mean, we had, a, we had a conversation with uh, Nicholas, who's the CEO of, of Chili Piper, whose whole entire company is distributed. distributed. Right. So they, yeah. they pay no money for office space. Right. Yep. And, and they get together like once or twice a year as a company in some amazing place. Like they went to a, a Biza or something like that. I, know. <laughs> I think it was the Biza. They literally went to Biza. Yeah. It was the Biza. I'm totally like imagining like Nick like raving. Yeah. You know, with his <laughs> right. like with his like amazing gray hair with like glow sticks. Yeah. <laughs> at, at four in the morning. Yeah. Um, exactly. But like, would you, would you, who would, you know, I would rather do that maybe now than slave away every day and driving back and forth into an office, you know, or, or I think at the very least there's going to be kind of mandatory opportunity for people to work from home a few days a week, at least. Yeah, I, I for really, sure. I really don't think companies are going to be able to sort of mandate that you come into an office five days a week anymore in, in some sectors at least. Yeah. Like um, there's kind of like multiple stages of like, uh, company virtualization or sales sales team virtualization um they're like so rainforest qa is a good example this my buddy fred um runs the runs the company and what was interesting was they started out virtualizing their sales i'm sorry their engineering team largely because engineering um engineering hiring in the bay area is just like so competitive and terrible um so they're like okay well we'll just have people who can work from anywhere and but and what they did do is they had their sales organization here in sf um, for the reasons why we were kind of discussing, but then they, and, and so the way that they would go about that is, um, you know, they would have, well, they call them on-sites instead of off-sites, it's actually pretty funny. They'd have quarterly on-sites where people would come into San Francisco and, you know, have like face-to-face -face time and, and team building and, and what have you. But then eventually what they ended up doing was like virtualizing everything. Um, they compressed the size of the sales organization as well. Um, I think Envision and GitLab, are, are probably some of the biggest fully distributed inside sales organizations there. Um, I, and, and so I think that like, uh, there, there's definitely a skill profile and like muscles that have to be built. And even like my, my buddy runs sales operations at, um, at Envision and like there's a learning curve, right? Um, to help, um, to help you know, help managers be, be good at, at managing distributed reps and, and what have you, but there's like tons of upside. The one thing I will note though, is that, um, so you, do you, where do you live around in, in Austin? Do you live like outside of Austin? In, in the I mean, I'm or? in Southwest Austin. I'm about 10 miles from downtown. Yeah. So, so there's, um, there's you and then there's like the 24 year old SDR yeah. who like is living, you know, like three or four, to a you know to an apartment and we actually see this with our customers right now it's like oh my gosh these these zoom calls are amazing like you'll you'll be talking to this you know 25 year old um uh you know sdr like junior ae or whatever and like you got their roommate running walking by in the background and like he or she's got their headset on too because you're like they're obviously a sales rep for some other organization yeah. Yeah. So, so i think there is an interesting thing there about like okay well it's one thing if you've got you know, uh, you know, a house and you've got lots of room. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure of what, like, this is one of the things that we've seen with our customers is, you know, sending, sending a bunch of like 25 year olds or, um, home who 
you know, obviously they, they have like great intentions or whatever, but like the world is chaos right now. And like, of course, all these digital things are trying to distract you. So making sure that people are set up for success in terms of both like, hey, what are our expectations with respect to like quantity and quality of execution, but also how can I enable you, yeah. right? Like, and this is something that I was super obsessed with because I'm, you know, a control freak and, and a, you know, infrastructure freak is when I sent my sales organization home, I was like, cool, we got to make sure you have an external monitor. We got to make sure that you have, like, you got to take all your stuff home or we're going to airdrop stuff to you from Amazon yeah. because like sitting on your bed with a laptop on your lap is not, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not, not work. That's not working from home. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So, just out of curiosity, did you come up with a stipend for people, or did you just sort of let everybody decide what they needed? Well, I, I just made sure that they took all their stuff home, right? Okay. But the, the really interesting question about net new, right? I was right. thinking about this because, like, the way, <laughs> like, because I'm I'm hiring sales reps right now, and I, and so the, like the normal way that I onboard a sales rep is I get their machine and I just set it up for them. Right. I, and, and so I'm like, wait a minute, like, how am I going to get it to him? <laughs> like, I'll get it. I'll get the machine like sent to me and I'll onboard it and like, you know, tune it up and get like, get all the relevant software on it. But then am I going to mail it to them? Right? What do you think? I'm not sure. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, when you say, Hey, I want to make sure my, my reps aren't sitting there, you know, on their bed, right. What are you making sure they have? Are you making sure they actually have a desk and you making sure they actually oh, yeah. have an external monitor. Like yeah. what, are you, what are the things you're trying to empower them with? Yeah, I mean it's it's like the same as their workstation at work. So, you know, you know, um, you know, uh, 13 inch MacBook Pro, um, you know, so like you know, uh, bottom end MacBook Pro, so they can have fast demos and like you know, Zoom or Slack calls don't crush them. I like crush the machine. Um, you know, external monitors, so they have like a big you know, a big big monitor that they can have external. Um, you know, so. They're selling on this monitor right here, having a Zoom screen, a Zoom call, or like you know, doing a demo or doing a deck. They've got their like you know script right here. They've got other resources. They got Salesforce right here, um, et cetera, et cetera. So they've got a laptop stand. They got their um, they got their external mouse. They got their external keyboard. Um, but yeah, desk too. So I was telling all my 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 team, I'm like, look, if if we need to airdrop something to you from IKEA, like we're gonna do it, and and. You know, if you need to come pick up something from the office, like, you know, that Uber's on me, right? Um, so just like, don't just make sure, because humans are expensive, right? right? Like SDRs and AEs and like their time and like, you know, humans are expensive and you know, what's really expensive is like lost deals. <laughs> lost deals are really expensive. So, you know, and, and like missed oppor like non-created non opportunities, like opportunity cost is usually your biggest cost in, in early stage, like go to market. So just making sure that your SDR is like fully enabled such that they're, you know, popping off an extra three, four, five ops per, per month versus like sitting around you, their little MacBook Air is important. How are you training? How are you training these people? Right. You said you're hiring and, and onboarding people. Right. How are you training them in a virtual way? Because that's completely shifted. Right. This, this might be one of those things you called organic earlier. Right. <laughs> Dude, I have not figured it out yet. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you're 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 being open and honest about that because this is, I think, one of the largest reasons why companies are not hiring right now. There's a lot of companies with a treasure trove of money on, and that are that are kind of well positioned. So I, I have I have a client, for example, who's doing really really well right now. Right, they. they in, in any, under, any other circumstance would probably be trying to add 10 to 12 sales reps a quarter for the rest of the year. They're right. not hiring right now because they have no idea how to train and onboard new hires. This is for sales, right? Yep. 
so yeah, I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts and, and, you know, maybe this is one of those market opportunities that, that's, that's out there. Like somebody has got to figure this out. Somebody has got to create a playbook for training salespeople remotely. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. So, so the way that we've done it, I'm unsurprisingly pretty you know, rigorous and anal about, about onboarding. So, you know, I have a, you know, hundred step process. It's modeled in a, in a Google sheet with like hyperlinks off to a bunch of other resources. You're what anal have you about everything, Pete, let's be honest. You're anal <laughs> and anal about everything. I know this about <laughs> Yeah. Fair, fair, fair enough. Um, but, but, we, but so at least it's, it, so at least it's documented. So I think that's the first step is like, make sure it's like documented. I mean, not dissimilar to a sales motion or materials will have the same thing. And so the good news there is that we have a, you know, a ton of course recordings that people can listen to. Um, and, and I, I think it's just a question of like virtualizing the things that you would otherwise do while sitting side by side. Um, you know, so pitch, pitch certification, pitch training, um, sparring, um, all that sort of stuff. I think what, now that you're making me think about this, Scott, probably what will end up happening is um, organizations would, would typically resist investing in something like, you know, work ramp, like a, like a LMS onboarding yeah. thing uh, or like lesson lead or, or what have you. Of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they would resist investing in that until you really are like hiring at like a, a like a big kid clip. Perfect example. Um, when, I, when I was at Qualia, like we didn't use any tools like Leslie or anything like that for the first two and a half years, probably. And yeah. then the last six months that I was there, so like my my third year there. Now we're we're at like five hundred people, right? And now you you're bringing in a tool like like Leslie. So maybe those types of of tools come in way earlier in the in the scaling. Yeah, that feels that that feels right, right? Because essentially, it's just like, yeah, this is another compelling event for the, you know, for the for the work ramps and the lesson leads and the mind tickles of the world to kind of like show up. Although mind tickles more like enterprise, but like to to show up earlier and be like, so talk to me about your um you know virtual hiring and onboarding. People are like, uh, <laughs> well, wonderful because I have something for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I haven't thought about it myself, but like, yeah, there you go. So like, there's a, there's a tailwind for those folks. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because if you also think about it too, there are lots of industries where it's almost backwards, where they're, where they only have field reps. Like there are fortune companies that only have field reps, like ADT could come out and write this story. Right. Um, or, or, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like paychecks, right. They've got tons of field reps and they've figured this out. But I don't know that they're fast enough to proselytize oh, it and 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 you know share it with the world, right? Because it's been like, solved. like they they have they have remotely onboarded those people previously because it's like highly unlikely that they you would do it like the old school Xerox thing where like you fly into wherever and you hang out there for sixty days and you know you get brainwashed and and what have you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, they, they do. Yeah. They, those folks would be the ones. The thing that I'm actually really fascinated about too, is speaking of how, you know, silver linings here is I think what you're going to see is a lot of like field reps who are ver like, who are acting as inside reps, like at home inside reps, which a lot of field reps are kind of that anyway. <laughs> right. Um, and like they go on site for, you know, some, some set, like maybe it's like 
you know, for the opening meeting and then this all gets virtualized and then like the closing one, but like all this stuff in here is, you know, all the mid funnel stuff and like incremental stakeholders and, and buyer committee um, wrangling is all done digitally. Um, so I think what, what, I think people are going to realize this. We're like, all right, well, like this meeting and this meeting just doesn't get done like on site anymore. So now you're an inside field rep, but actually maybe I'm going to now measure you based on that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, like I have a bunch of uh, friends who are investors um, and investors are essentially just like fancy pants um, outside reps. <laughs> they just sell capital. And, nor <laughs> and there's the title of the episode, investors are fancy pants <laughs> outside reps. <laughs> yeah, and like they're just sales reps, right? They take meetings, they have a pipeline um, and uh, have a lot of coffees, have a lot of cocktails. Um, and And so, but the thing is, is that if you're having these on-site meetings, there's travel time between them. So the total number of meetings that, you know, an investor yeah. can have is limited. very simple. Yeah, it's limited. It's like, you know, two or three meetings a day. Um, but but what, what's funny about that is it also compresses, it, like it gives you time in between to like do things, right? So, you know, follow up on your emails, you know, pipeline management, um, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Now all of a sudden you're going to have six Zoom meetings a day. Yeah. And this is and and this, this is why many of us feel like we're working now more than we ever have before. I, yeah. I, I, because all of the work that I would be doing in between meetings now is just getting pushed off until all of my meetings for the day are over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this is something that we. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, this is why it's important to like one of the things that I tell my reps is that calendar is destiny, and so you know, it, it like. And, and more can be bad, right? Because if you, if you have six meetings a day, like meetings, and meetings create action items. And if you, don't have an, if you don't have time to execute those action items, like, oh, can you send me that proposal, Scott? Oh, hey, can you, can, you, can you tweak the demo instance, like blah, 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 and then like, you know, get back to me, right? Like e each of those things is like 15 minutes or 30 minutes or, or an hour or what have you. And if you don't block time on your calendar in order to do that, like you can, like a, an inside rep can have too many meetings. Assuming that you know that they that part of their part of their pipeline management is doing those other types of work, and you can actually see this where you'll have some reps from a KPI standpoint, they'll like be really high activity from a meeting standpoint. Then you look at their pipeline management KPIs, like their untouched opportunities or their time between touches on ops, and it's and they're they're like stuck ops, and like their pipeline's a disaster because they don't have enough time to work it. So I've got right. a question. I'm gonna flip it on the other side, Pete. I wonder. Because you go back to these meetings, right? I also think, you know, I think Scott and I talked about this too, is that the buyer behavior is changing, right? So, you know, it used to be, look, 10 years ago, you know, it was hard to sell somebody something for $100,000 for a year without meeting them face-to-face. -face. Sure. 10 a month meant you couldn't do, now that's nothing, right? Even in a traditional world. But now sure. I think these, these buyers are being forced to make quarter million dollar decisions, $500,000 decisions without ever meeting somebody. So I'm curious is to, does the buyer, what do you see changing on the buyer side? Like we, cause that's also going to affect us on the selling side, right? To your yeah. point, those extra meetings don't get done, which means that could shorten your sales cycle, right? We know all those meetings are, you know, all those, oh, I've got to go and, you know, now I got to take it back to my team, right? That's the standard yeah. response after the demo. <laughs> What's that going to look like, right? Um, I'm curious, one, cause I know you're a buyer of things, has your, attitude shifted 
Although you, you you've been a Zoom guy anyway, so it's not that big a deal. I was gonna say, as, I think one of the one of the things that I really enjoy about um, our the atrium sales motion, or it's kind of two things that's really enjoyable about our our sales motion. One is that we sell to salespeople, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like sales leaders and sales no, operations. But... It, so it's like, yo, don't bullshit a bullshitter. We both know why we're here, <laughs> right? Like you right. could you, you can like talk honestly, like, hey man, should I close losses? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I would do? I would I would CL it and then you know like resurrect it maybe in ninety days. Just put it on the calendar to talk. And, like this is like the buyer talking. And he's like, you right. like the clarity of communication is phenomenal. Um, the other thing that I really like about our sales motion is is we just we sell on on prospect data so like we can it takes five minutes to set up atrium and to instrument an org so we're, we're able to like instrument the the organization i think so i think on the buy side one i think the for like i think you will see um sales cycles potentially compressing i was talking to this gentleman earlier today about um how they're moving their outside uh, an outside sales organization in one of his portfolio companies to inside and one of the things we were trying to the nut we were trying to crack is so some meetings, there, there's like discovery meetings and there's like value proof meetings and alignment meetings. But then some meetings, like whether they're over beers or coffee or, or lunch or dinner, are really just kind of like um, mutual reputation instantiation meetings where like, I, like we're, we're forming a relationship right here such that I know that you have skin in the game and you're not going to like screw me. And so those ones are interesting. I don't know how you virtualize that. So we were trying to think about that, like, do you send beers to them and then you have the beer as well and you have a <laughs> you have a happy hour together? Like, I don't know how you virtualize the relationship forming but uh, I, interactions. So, so it's interesting because I, I have another customer who's doing this too where they're like, they're freaked out about bringing their team inside. And I'm kind of like, that's kind of almost all I know. Right. I've been closing deals this way without having to go to coffee, without having to go to beers. And it, and it does come down to how you conduct yourself in that call. Right. It comes down to sure. how you do business as much as what pain you solve. Right. And that's something I preach a lot. So and, and it goes back to what you were alluding to is this level of transparency. No bullshit. You know, I'm not going to waste your time. Don't waste me. Let's both say so. If it's not a good fit, we can both move on. Yeah. There's you know, no harm, no foul, right? That kind of stuff. So that's where I see it happening. Um, and again, I think it's, now I think it will be different if it's, to some extent it will be different, but I think reputation will come up, right? You're now going to start to promote, oh, here's my G2 crowd reviews. Oh, here's what my case studies are. Like sure. people buy the story. So you're going to have to shift that storytelling. That's a way to virtualize, that's a way to virtualize that. Right. Yeah, that, that's how I've seen it being being done. But I, you know, I'm sure there's something I'm missing. Right. Like, you know, Visa is one of my biggest clients, and you know, their sales reps go and talk to the head of, you know, product development at Marriott to talk about branding the Bonvoy card. Right. That's a whole other kind of motion that does require a lot of meetings and people and process and there probably is some going to dinner and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how that shifts. I want to see how you virtualize dinner. I think if somebody could figure that out. It's we're, we're, people are trying already. I mean, yeah. uh, there's, there's like dinner happy hours and it's called Zinner. I saw Sahil uh, called it Zinner. On yeah, the, right. Nevada was like doing that, that kind of stuff. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I've had an easier time making new relationships in the, in the last six weeks than I have in, in you know, the prior four months 
before, right? Yep. I think there's like I a have, shared I, sense of like chaos and we're in it together. So that's probably a tailwind. Yeah. But it, it was also, also come running behind you, Pete. Like that's the that's where I think the 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 yeah. virtual dinner happens is when we see the dog sure. come up and bark, or we see the kids or the wife in the background. Where because we're all in that boat together, and there's sort of like there's no more bullshit, right? There's no we get to see yeah. you in your real environment. And that adds another element of trust. But you also just go, you just go where the, the people are and you go where the op opportunities are. Like I'm, make, I'm making all these opportunities because I have, am way too busy with my kids and my life to go to events in downtown Austin. I go to no, no events, none of that right. stuff. Now all of a sudden, I can go to events all over the country, all over the world. Virtualized, yeah. Right? And so now I, I've gotten multiple pieces of business that have come from these random happy hours I'm starting to see the same people at all these events. Now I'm starting to have conversations with them, relationships there. So the relationship building piece, I think is easy if you're just willing to go where the opportunity is and the opportunity is where the people are and the people are on all of these conversations, all these yeah. Zoom, Zoom get togethers and everything right now. So. What, one way that I think, um, so I'm a big fan of uh, Sendoso um, yeah. for, for you know, automated sending of things, um, they're a customer, like we're a customer of theirs, they're a customer of ours. And um, I mean, I just love, I think that's one way of doing it is, like I'm a big fan of sending people books um, because I like, I, I like it when people are able to acquire new knowledge. Um, you know, I, I know Scott, you, you write books as, as well. So like we, we send people books uh, via Sendo. So like, um, you know, Jason Jordan's uh, Cracking the Sales Management Code or like Jeremy Donovan, Alita Homison's, um, you know, uh, leading sales development, what have you. We send people like Atrium mugs, right, as, as well. We've been doing that to date. I, I do want to figure out what the like social business, the virtualized social business meeting looks like. Because um, I, I do think that there is something, I get what you're saying, Richard, about like you can do that over dinner to be like, okay, I trust you because you're not a bullshitter. Another way you could do that is like, here's my G2 crowd, right? Or my trust radius or Captera reviews or what have you. I still think that like the synchronous one-on-one -on -one interaction over, you know, drinks or, or, or what have you or coffee is, is powerful. And so I think that like losing that, I don't know, like it's one more step in the sales process. Could you compress it or does it actually smooth things? I mean, I, I think like, it feels like that's a, it feels like there's something there. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be there, which I think is good. You know, the interesting thing, at least from the sales perspective, for the first 60 or 90 days afterwards, we're all just going to be happy to meet anybody out in public. Right. Like you, you, you make it <laughs> buyers and you sellers are, yeah. both get happy years because it's like, oh, my God, I got to meet somebody in person and shake a hand. <laughs> You know, you no, I don't feel that way. I'm going to be damn near agoraphobic by the time this whole thing is over. <laughs> I'm just going to stay You're inside. Already already. You're already. <laughs> so, um, hey, Pete, we, I know um, you've always got so much to say, so I know we want to have you back on, but I know Scott's got to jump to another thing, but we always end this with how can we help you? What, what can we do to help Pete, modern sales pros, who if you aren't a member of, uh, email Pete, he'll automatically put you in. Um, or or Atrium, or, 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 or the, the, the more the, the more efficient way is just go to just just go to modernsaleshq.com and and there's a uh, there's there's a uh, there's an application um, form 
form there. Yeah, just Google mo Google modern sales were the top the top result there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is uh, two things. One, um, if you know, if you have a if you have a sales organization that's like newly working from home and you need to get your arms around um, instrumenting your SDR, AE, AM, CSM teams, um, you know, it, you can set up Atrium in ten minutes. Have a you know have a really good instrumentation harness um, and and really start like seeing your reps again, seeing your reps again, if you will. That's one thing. You can just check us out at atriumhq.com. Um, drop me a note. I'm Pete at atriumhq.com. Uh, yeah. Now the other thing too is like in times of in times of chaos, in time in uncertain times like these. Is that is that the opening of like every SDR outbound right now? In times of chaos, it's really good to have a posse and be able to rely on other folks. Uh, and that's where modern sales is very helpful because it's you know it's a peer it's a peer education community composed of 16,000 uh, sales operations sales leadership folks. Um, and then one of the major mechanisms by which they interact with each other is a question and answer forum where someone's like, hey man, I got this problem. I'm sure somebody else has solved it, and you get like 10 people who are you know total badasses like Richard or Scott um, chime in and are like, yep, totally, that's a solved problem. Here's here's your answer. And you know, now that person is super stoked and they can move on to their, you know, their next big problem. So those are the two things. Yeah, check out atriumhq.com and check out modernsaleshq.com. I think those are main, the main things. Cool. Well, thanks, Pete, man. We love seeing you. Uh, miss seeing you in person. It's been a while. Uh, yeah. You know, health and happiness to your family. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, well, well, I will see you in the the virtual events that Scott is referring to. Although I probably don't get invited to them, I don't get invited to the cool kid ones that Scott Scott does. Scott <laughs> doesn't invite anyone. Yeah. It's all done on LinkedIn, man. We live on LinkedIn. Um, That's how we get everything. There's some, there's some very particularly unique ones that I have organized for you know specific services that are not available in Texas and things like that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll join you. I'll invite you to one of those where we can be as grouchy as we want to be without fear of retribution. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right, dudes. Well, I will, uh, I'll see you later and, um, you know, have a good rest of your week. Okay. All right. You too. Catch you later. Okay.